Before we get started, I'm going to have Mark McFerrin come and share two minutes about what he's been through in the last couple of weeks. You guys remember December? A lot of extra stuff going on. I call it the December blur. It's all good. My December blur had a hard stop. Felt, felt a little something under here, like I've been working out a little too much, which I don't work out. But it was enough, enough that I went and talked to my cardiologist and test, test, test. Mark, there's something not right. We need to do an arteriogram on December 13th. At the worst, there might be a stent we need to put in and open something up. So I go in and do that, 15 minutes in, Doc's wrapping up. I says, what'd you find? He said, well, there they ain't no stent gonna fix this, son. You got three, three blockages, 70% and 90%. You're not going home, we're cutting you open tomorrow. So that's a hard stop. Can you relate to a hard stop? It may be health, it may be relationship, maybe finances, job, there's hard stops that happen in our lives where it's like nothing else matters. So the next six hours, my wife and I are processing, we've had visitors, about nine o'clock that night, I'm by myself and it kind of really hits you. All right, what happens if I don't wake up? All that. The good news is I woke up, I'm 35 days on the backside, praise the Lord. I got rewired, got a new heart. They do a lot more now than they did in 1977 when my dad at 50 had a heart attack and went out, right? So I praise the Lord. I'm at 63 and uh, grateful that so many good things happened through. Here's another miracle that happened. A week before this all went down, I made a decision to leave a job and accept a job. A week before. And that job was Barefoot Republic. And if you were here in September, you heard the story of the founder, Tommy Rhodes. He stood right here, shared his story. I never heard it before. That started a conversation. Barefoot Republic is a camp for all, all, all financial, whether you can afford to go to camp or not. He was a kid who never could afford to go to camp. He went to his first camp when he was 20, and he realized that everybody needs this experience, especially with the Jesus covering. So here we are 22 years later, Barefoot does that, about 250 kids a week not only during the summer, but now they do it during the school year in barefoot in motion around different places in our city. And now it's expanded to families. So um, praise the Lord that he settled all that. So here's, uh, here's my takeaway. If you've had heart issues, raise your hand. Okay, look around. All right, keep them up if you're in the zipper club. All right, I wanna know you, one, two, cause that, you know, there's an eight incher right there, right? Saw it, you've seen it on, the medical shows they saw and yeah it's some crazy stuff but what they can do thank god for miracles modern day medicines and technology here's my my encouragement to you listen to your body men your body talks to you listen and then react there's too much good medical out there for you not to go and check it out even if it turns out to be nothing and then secondly seek to live daily with no regrets because you never know when the Lord says it's your time get your if you're if you're married get your house in order that was that was a big deal we realized that Melody she wasn't she wasn't ready to handle all the stuff that I handled and so we're shifting so guys don't let's don't leave our wives because we're going out first likely <laughs> right all right that's move. thanks guys thanks for praying a lot of you have a lot of you know thank you
Jeez, old guys talking about health. Isn't that what we do? We start talking about what's wrong with us and what, anyway, never mind. Um, so you need a new heart. Um, I'm always amazed in the little conversations that happen around tables here and, and um, the sorrows that come into this room with our brothers. And there are often enough sorrows in a room like this to sink a battleship. And it's true again this morning. So um, look your brothers in the eyes. Be there for them. Uh, offer to talk to them afterwards or this week or whatever. Uh, one of the reasons we do this is because we don't believe it's necessary to live a lonely life. When Jesus is with us, when our brothers care for us. Uh, here's um, a little book that I highly recommend to you, A Theology of the Ordinary. For those of you who are wondering why everybody else gets to make their mark in the Christian community or do something great for God or take that city for Christ or whatever it is, A Theology of the Ordinary, just celebrating the life, the ordinary life uh, that God gives to all of us. I want to read... Um, from the message uh, here in the preface. So here's, this is Romans 12, 1 and 2, which you're familiar with, uh, from Eugene Peterson. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Recognize readily what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Theology of the ordinary, well worth it. I'm um, really delighted to introduce our friend, my friend, John Chisholm, who is the uh, president or the director, what, what do they call you, I, I, something, the leader of the National Christian Songwriter uh, Group. And um, he's been up and down Music Row for years, came here, oh gosh, 35 years ago, worked with the Gaithers, all kinds of things, went through his own barrel of uh, sorrows, all kinds of things happened to him along the way. I'd like John to come and play a little music and tell us his story. And before I forget, don't you please forget to leave a, a nice tip for the wait staff today. Do it now so you don't forget. John? Thank you, Wes. Good morning, everybody. All right, so how many of you are 60-ish, give or take? Uh, that's a lot of hands in the room. I just, we just celebrated my 65th last Saturday, and uh, more than celebrating it, it was kind of like Amazon just dropped a new number on the porch, right? It's kind of more like a little delivery of a new number than in a, a big celebration, but the best gift that I received uh, for my 65th was a song. I've been in songwriting for many, many years, as uh, Wes alluded to. And so, you know, it, it's 
It's kind of like if you make hamburgers, do you really want a hamburger? But a dear friend of mine wrote a song for me. I'm not going to get to sing it, but uh, my dear friend, Dr. Raymond Preston, who's here this morning, he wrote a song. I've just got to share it with you. And even if you're not elderly like the rest of us, you might appreciate this. But uh, it's, it's, uh, he wrote it to the tune of Sammy Hagar's I Can't Drive 55. Anybody ever heard that? Okay, so it's called I Just Turned 65. Uh, let me get my glasses, because that's what you have to have. All right, it says, time is moving fast, but I'm moving slow. I just turned 60, okay, five years ago. My blood pressure and cholesterol are tempting fate. I'm already years past the best if used by date. I eat lots of fiber so my colon thrives. I'm watching my glucose and triglycerides. I buy all my books in large print size now that I've turned 65. However that melody goes. Gonna buy me a fancy leather lift chair now that I qualify for Medicare. These glasses with thicker lens were worth the bill. It's amazing what you can see this far over the hill. I've got music on CD, on cassettes, and on 8-track. My albums are worth some money now that vinyl is back. Gen Z doesn't know the meaning of 33s and 45s. They're just babies, and I'm, oh God, I'm 65. I got elastic waist in all my jeans. I wear compression socks up to my knees. I need a nightlight in the bathroom so I can see, because I get up twice a night just to go pee. Installed handles in the shower so I don't slip on the tile. I've got a chiropractor I keep on speed dial. I wear slip-on sketchers that I don't have to tie because it's hard to bend over at 65. I've lived half a century, yet I still feel alive, but I'm going to need a nap if we're staying out past nine. I can't believe it, but I've become one of those guys. Oh, my God. I'm 65. So, yeah, boy, it's kind of weird because most of that was really true for me. So... Yeah, so as Wes alluded, I've uh, been around for quite a while uh, in the music business, in and out, and I want to just share with you just a couple of slices of my life this morning, uh, kind of based in uh, a quote from Stephen Pressfield, who is a great author. He wrote The War of Art, which is a great book if you're a creative person, and all of you are. It's a great book, but he sends out an email, and I just loved this quote, so I wanted to kind of situate what I'm going to share with you in the context of what Stephen Pressfield wrote. And he says, uh, the name of this one, it came out on the 18th, uh, I guess that was yesterday, the wilderness story is all stories. You and I may think in the depths of our wilderness passage that the ordeal we're undergoing is unique. And it is in the sense that our passage is ours alone. No one else has ever or will ever go through the same initiation. But in a far deeper sense, all wilderness passages are the same. The wilderness story is all stories. Every book, every movie, every legend, every myth is a wilderness story. They are all about a character or a group of characters who are estranged or cast out from some aspect of their deeper selves. That always reminds me of finding Nemo when Nemo leaves the little safety of his little sea pod or whatever that is. He goes on to say the Christ story is a wilderness story. It even has Jesus literally in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. 
Uh, Buddha's story is a wilderness story. Muhammad's, Krishna's, uh, pick any spiritual saga or myth. At bottom, they're all wilderness stories. And he goes on uh, a little bit longer, but the whole point is that every wilderness story is all of our stories is a wilderness story. And wherever we find ourselves, what the, the one thing I wanted to bring to us this morning is that God is with us in our wilderness story. And there was a moment that I didn't really believe that and didn't feel that and didn't sense that and couldn't live into that. I want to just give you a couple of slices of my life here. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home at all. And I did grow up in a very musical family. My parents in Memphis, Tennessee, they're past now, but they were pretty awesome bluegrass musicians. And so I grew up around a lot of music, and we listened to everything from Jethro Tull uh, to B.B. King to Mahler symphonies. My dad was just a, uh, he just loved music of all kinds. So I grew up around a lot of music and always felt drawn to it. I was never disciplined enough to be very good at it in the, as a kid. But when I came to know Jesus at age 18, the first thing that I wanted to do was to write a song for him and, and have, share it with the world. So I got my little cassette together, and I'm, I'm sure it was just really pitiful, sent it up here to Nashville and got promptly rejected and swore to God I'd never do that again. Fast forward a few years, and a lot of details that I won't go into, I wound up my young bride of just a few years, and I moved here to take a job, a church job. And we had $40, and the church job fell through. We had no place to live. We were literally homeless for a brief season. We didn't have to go live under the interstate or you know, in a uh, cardboard box, uh, but uh, we were couch surfing before that was a popular thing on Airbnb. And uh, it didn't take a long time. I, I got a, a paper route making about $60 a week, throwing papers out the car window at three in the morning. My wife got a little graphics job and we were probably making you know, 150 bucks a week. And but God provided and within a few months, uh, through a mutual friend, I met Bill Gaither and Gary McSpadden, the late Gary McSpadden, if any of you know who those guys are. And they listened to a couple of songs, and I swear, you guys, God must have stopped their ears up, because those were pitiful songs. They've never seen the light of day. But they signed me to a publishing contract at a little company they were starting, and I was just sharp enough to stick in the ground and green enough to grow, and they started mentoring me and coaching me, and I'd bring my little Jesus songs to them, and they'd be like, uh, kind of pat me on the head, like, eh, it's not quite ready, but you know, and they would teach me, they mentored me and coached me, and within my first year, I had about 20 songs recorded, and they hired me to be a publisher. I didn't know what the heck a publisher was, but I wound up working my way up over the years to VP of publishing for them. And then it all crashed, it all burned, got laid off with the company that we were at at the time, and just it was, I was in the wilderness again. Within a few weeks, I was offered a position with Integrity Music, which is now here. It used to be in Mobile, Alabama. That's where it started years ago. And, and Mobile isn't the end of the earth, but you can see it from there. It's way on down there. And so I wound up working, I wound up managing about 18 songwriters, and I was a writer and wrote hundreds of songs that went out on all the records. And in my time there, I wound up uh, overseeing about 200 pieces of product and traveled all over and taught and taught worship and sang and made records and did a lot of music. And it was just, man, it was just everything. And guess what? 
it came crashing down. And they laid off about 50 people in a day, and I thought that my life was over. I felt abandoned by God. I didn't know what I was going to do. It was just, man, just over it all. And uh, wound up coming back to Nashville for a season and then moved back to Mobile to take a church job. So I've kind of done the professional music business and church ministry through all these years. And uh, just basically kind of walked away from the music thing for a long time and wound up, um, so that was that slice of life, but kind of fast forward to about seven years ago, I was working with a church in another state and had pretty much a meltdown with a pastor that I was serving with, and do we ever really graduate from eighth grade? I don't know, but uh, I, I, I found out that I hadn't yet in one area of my life, so we had a falling out, and we came back to Nashville, my sweet little wife and I, and it was, uh, is, let me ask you theologians, is deja vu a scriptural concept? I, you're laughing. I don't think it really is, but we experienced it, and we landed back here in Nashville with no job. We had a little more than 40 bucks, but it was another wilderness experience. And in some ways, it was the worst because... I was no longer 25, 6 years old. I didn't have the rest of my life in front of me to look forward to and try to figure things out. I was 58. And in, I don't know if you know a lot about the, the Christian church culture, but that's old, man. That's ancient. You're Methuselah at 58. And so I, I just couldn't seem to find a place. And I started realizing that I had once again entered into a really, really dark place in my life. And it was, it really, for all the wilderness experiences, it felt like the most tragic, you know, maybe I was adding a lot of drama to it, but I fell into a, a, a depression and I felt, I fell deep into what really became a, 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 such a state of apathy that I didn't know if I would ever make it out. And it was, it was hard and I was getting fat and going broke really fast uh, straining every relationship on the planet, and just couldn't seem to connect with any of it. And it was in one dark, dark June day. I was out for a walk. Uh, we lived oh, at that time over in Brenniok, if you know where that is. And uh, so we were in Brenniok, and I was walking around the neighborhood, and I was just in a big, big funk and pity party and angry at God and everybody myself. And um, I heard a voice. It wasn't an audible voice. It was much louder than that. But I heard, reverberating in every cell of my body, it said, you're not even being a good human right now. I call it the BRFG, the big rebuke from God. And it stopped me. I can take you to the little square on the sidewalk where I stopped. And it was a wake-up call for me. And I didn't know what it meant. I kind of knew, okay, it was a little bit of a slap. You know, most people that have a relationship with God, they hear him say, oh, it's okay, my child. I'm with you. I love you. You know, I, all that. And I didn't hear that. I heard, you're, you're just being stupid right now. And it was the first step back to sanity for me. And I wish I could say that it all happened in, in that instant. And it really didn't. But what I began to, to discover is that, well, first of all, ego is my enemy. Ego is a jerk. 
you know, and, and I, I didn't, just didn't realize how unself-aware I was and the fact that I had, I had invested in, my, in the identity that I believed I was, was the public one. I mean, I had a real relationship with Jesus, of course, but all of my value was in what I did. Is that not just a common thing for us guys, and maybe for everyone, but I, it, it just was a, a wake-up call that I had invested myself in the wrong place. I had invested my, my self-worth, my identity, my being in being a professional Christian guy and being the songwriter, being the publisher, being the worship leader, traveling and doing all the stuff. And when that was all taken away, it was like, it was sub ground zero. It was like, it was, I had to question everything that I believed about God, about my relationship with God, about what it meant to have the presence of God. I was kind of one of these guys where I, I thought, well, if we sang the, the worship song long enough, loud enough, fast enough, then God would show up. And it, which that's kind of pagan, actually. That's, that's not even Christian at all. You know, Paul said in Colossians 127 that the, the, it's, it's about the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it, it, I've really learned that God is faithful in his presence to me, no matter how I'm doing at the moment, no matter what I'm feeling, no matter what I'm going through, no matter where I am in the wilderness. But the main thing that I've, I wanted to share just three quick things with you that I've learned. Number one, mindset is king. How I think determines a lot that's going on in my reality. And I, I didn't realize how crappy my mindset really was. I didn't realize how, it, how judgmental I was. I didn't realize just, just the shallowness of my own Christianity and my, my own sense of who God is, you know? And we have this weird thing in what we do in evangelicalism with manipulating God in praise and worship. It's just really weird. And I can no longer stand up in a church and beg for God's presence. I can no longer stand there and sing songs that make it feel that God is way out there and I'm here. And if I can only do the right thing, he's going to show up in my life. And by that, and that's, that's a huge revelation for me. Now, you guys might have that down, but I didn't. And I didn't understand that. And I was part of the whole movement of, you know, that thing, kind of a duality uh, that God's out there and we're here and we have to beg him to show up. So I learned that that's, that is just not true. Uh, but my mindset is the thing that was driving the reality of my life. And the other thing that I learned, another thing that I learned is that passivity is death. You know, I, I think that a lot of times in our, at least where I was in the, the Christian movement, you know, taught to be passive about things. And we, we highlight waiting on God, but that's really kind of uh, can be used as an excuse, and uh, it, you know, it, it, it really led me into a, a, a learned helplessness that got me further down into that hopelessness that was so apathetic, and it was when I, when I heard that voice, you're not even being a good human right now, it stirred me into action. 
And I started reading people that I wouldn't have ever been open to. I started getting into motivational speakers and things like that. And, you know, don't, don't actually believe and agree with everything they say, but I needed so much of what they said. I needed to take ownership again. I needed to get up off my blessed assurance and do something, you know? And I think that's where a lot of us can be, you know? Like Mark was saying a while ago, I, I got my stint three years ago and uh, needed to learn how to change my lifestyle. You know, nobody's gonna come and grab that bag of Cheetos and that donut out of my hands, right? And so uh, that, that really was a huge lesson for me is that I was letting life happen to me instead of taking the ownership. Uh, does that make sense to you guys? So, it's, it's, so my, my primary message to you this morning, my hope that you're, that I hope, what I hope you're getting out of this is that God is with you in your wilderness. Wherever you are, whatever it is that you're struggling with, whether it's an addiction, whether it's shame, that was a big one for me, He's with you in the wilderness. You know, God runs to sin, not away from sin. We, I, I was taught that, man, if you sinned, if you blew it, well, guess what? You're just on your own, buddy. That's, nothing could be further from the truth. I know we're not in church, but can I get a little amen? All right. All right. So I'm going to sing a song for you that really just kind of expresses that abiding presence of God, God with us. It's, it, you might think it sounds like a Christmas song, but it's really not. God unseen by human eyes, so hidden from our sight. Mystery unfolding in the history of our lives. Ever there be Behind the curtain of our mortal flesh, deep in us the incarnation of Emmanuel's breath, God with us, love in us, uncontained in heaven's splendor. Here within our hearts, God with us, loving us, one with us forever, God with us. God revealed in perfect love with mercy over pouring out unending grace redeeming every fall ever there behind the curtain of our mortal flesh deep in us the incarnation of a man Contained in heaven's splendor, here inside our hearts, God with us, loving us.
appreciate the honesty of a man's heart as somebody you know you can be a good friend with when they're honest and it opens up your own heart to be honest back to theology of the ordinary this is by the way what we what John is getting paid for coming out here and setting up all this this morning he gets a free book um, one of the questions one of the questions in this um, little booklet is this, what is Jesus doing to my humanity in his temptations? I never thought of it that way. Jesus is doing something to my humanity in his temptations in the wilderness. Listen to this. He is teaching it to resist unrelational ways of living. Every temptation in the wilderness with Jesus and most of our temptations in our own wildernesses, it, the, 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 te the temptations are for us to go to something that is unrelational, a kingdom, um, an enterprise, something that we're, we're going to take something from somebody else. Uh, we're going to cut the deal a little bit in our favor in, in the business arrangement. He's teaching us in his temptations in the wilderness to resist unrelational ways of living. That's what we're all about here, is trying to figure out a way to live as Jesus followers in Williamson County, in Davidson County, in Middle Tennessee, in a place where the rubber hits the road, and we can't do it by ourselves. I asked a brother this morning who had to leave early how he was doing. He couldn't answer. He just shook his head. He's in a wilderness. So pray for that brother whose name remains anonymous this morning. Help the guys at your own table who are in their own wilderness. Um, you know, you're in that 45 to 55 range of your life. Those of you who are older can look back at this. It's not the only wilderness, but that's when the tough years present themselves if they haven't presented themselves before. And things happen to us relationally things happen to us 
um, in our careers and, and things we never expected would happen to us. And we react in ways we never thought we would react. And then Jesus, who comes to us in our darkness, comes and refabricates us, remakes us, reminds us that we're a new creation, or like John in his song said, there's no separation. We have such a theology that's so prevalent that says we're separated. But if you're made in the image of God, you're never completely separated from God. And there's, read Romans 8 again. There's nothing that will separate us from God, not even death, it says. Nothing the enemy can throw at us. And so we're trying to create a community of life here in this little place in Puckets that's meaningful to you, that helps you down the road. And I hope that even again this morning, you will find a reason to look up. Your redemption draws nigh and take a brother with you into the goodness of that. God bless you. Don't forget to tip for the waitstaff. staff.